Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sure, that's Sammy Hewitt's favourite Elton John song. Favourite Elton John song, Sam? It'll be up there. Mm. I do like Benny and the Jets. Mm. Tell you what, have you heard um, Elton John, obviously in New Zealand at the moment, and when he got here, um, I saw this in the Herald or something, when he got here, he had like a really weird specific request as soon as he landed. Um, first, Give me a cashew nut. No, no, no. They, they put the cameras in front of him with the mics, and they said, Elton John, you're here in New Zealand. What's the first thing you're going to do? He said, where on earth can I get a Coco Magic? Did he? That's the first thing he said. And I'd, No word of a lie. And did they say, look, they can't get it across the border from Australia to New Zealand? Yeah, they said, yeah, it's, it's too premium of a product, and with price inflation and shipping costs, we can't make it happen, but... He'd obviously I don't know because he'd just been to Australia. So yeah, he'd obviously. And so maybe we asked Jimmy. We can put Elton in touch with Jimmy and make it happen. Bada bing, bada boom. Well, next guest uh, in his playing days for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, he was known as James the Hitman Smith. Now he's just Jimmy Smith, and Jimmy joins us. Good day, Jimmy. I just wonder if uh, Bernie Torpin's been in contact as well too. I know he's a, a big fan of the Coco Magic. Uh, obviously. He's- collaborator with Elton John over the many years of their distinguished careers. But uh, look, i tell you what, the other thing that caught my attention, I know Jacinda had been, you know, blocking Coco Magic's entry into New Zealand for all sorts of reasons, trying to protect the local coconut water industry. Uh, what's the new bloke? What's his name? 0.03% or whatever he's... Who's he? Chris Hipkins is the new bloke. How's that? How are we going to go with him? Is he going to be more pliable? Well, I've met Chris Hipkins. Um, he looks a bit like Richie Cunningham from Happy Days. Um, his nickname's Chippy. Um, I think we could work on him, Jimmy. Okay, well, there you go. Well, Staffy. Yes. If you could if you could be my special envoy. I'll do my best. There you go. Okay. Very good. Now, more serious, more serious things are at hand. And uh, right. we... We're a little bit distanced from Australia. You know, you're our favourite cousins just across across the ditch. But this NRL collective bargaining agreement, we sort of touched on it yesterday. And with more investigation, this is a bit of a monster, Jimmy, and is threatening the start of the NRL before I even start talking about the NRLW. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I think what you're going to ask me to do is sift through it and give some sort of clarity to it for you and the listeners. And here's where I'm going to pull you up on that. That. That is really difficult because I'm struggling to get clarity. I think a lot of people who are covering this story are very uh, are finding it hard to get clarity. Uh, it feels like both entities, the NRL and the RLPA, are a long way away on things. It's a natural course of events that at a CBA negotiation time that there is strike threats and all of that sort of thing. However, we're getting to, I won't say desperate stakes 
from an NRL point of view, but certainly from an NRLW point of view, there is so much unknown. There is such widespread uh, disconnect between the players, the clubs, the new clubs, and the NRL. That it, it, to say that that season is in turmoil is a massive understatement. We heard a comment from Kurt Capel yesterday saying, we just want to sit at a table. We just want to be heard and talk, and that hasn't happened. I mean, this is this must have been in the in the in the breeze that needs to happen well before now. Oh, it should have happened before now. But I think the point about this is okay. It hasn't, so you, you can't change the past. So let's move forward. How do we move forward? And and consistently, we've heard from the Rugby League Players Association, we just want a seat at the table. Well, of course they should have a seat at the table. That that goes without question. So why haven't they had that seat at the table? And they're the questions you'd have to ask of Peter Volandis and Andrew Abbo. And, and if it's just a matter of, look, we're going to sort through these things, but it's going to take time. I would suggest when it comes to a priority list for the NRL and for Andrew Abdo and Peter Volandis, there is nothing higher on that list than the, the formulation of the latest CBA. Um, as I said, especially for the NRLW. So why haven't they dedicated that time to think? Like, what's the stumbling block there? And again, that we're not quite clear on. Yeah, and, and the natural inclination from us um, outside those four walls is the players want more money. The players want more money. And I think that's a component. But most of the players saying it's not just about that. It's about welfare, um, the NRLW. It's about we need some sort of guarantees. We need um, maternity leave. We need um, accident cover and all that sort of stuff. It's What do you make of all of the components that the players are asking for? They almost need to be dealt with on a a case-by-case basis, as in issue-by-issue. Let's look at it on this issue. Okay, where are we? You know, and they seem to be a long way away from on particular issues. As far as the money goes, like, you know, if they're saying it's not about money and then that, you know, the NRL came out and announced the salary cap, 12.1, bang, there it is. And and again, you weren't comparing apples with apples. It was was 12.1, but, hey, we're putting in all the uh, development contracts in that too. So what is the actual? And 18%. Let's talk about... Player salaries, if you had a ratchet clause in your contract, you went up 18%. Great. Everyone's happy with that. Now it's the other stuff. So who's going to put these contributions into that welfare uh, welfare and retirement scheme? Who's going to fund that? Should that be the RLPA? Should that be the players? Should that be the NRL? Where does that come? Okay, what do other teams do? What's what's best practice in other sports? And... because Jaleesa Apps and I had this long conversation today on air, the difference between these players as employees of clubs who are registered to the NRL as opposed to someone who goes into their employer and negotiates a contract. And it's never quite exactly the same, and that is because, you know, if, if you want to be called as a partner, as the players do and have been, and share in revenue, then you're not quite an employee. You're actually, there's actually a difference to your relationship with that. You actually have common interests and the common interest is grow the pie. So why do we not have clarity on that? Um, And if there is clarity on that and we get to clarity on that, then okay, well then the allocation of funds. So why is it that the clubs are now getting $5 million more than what the salary cap was? How did did that come about? How is it that then they're not responsible for the welfare and retirement fund? And if they are responsible, do they want to have a seat at the table in the administration of it? Um, And then should the players be able to be uh, have a say in the direction of that? Well, of course they should. If the NRL is putting in the money, should they have a say? Yes. 
So then we need independent directors to make sure that that's all moving in a uh, moving forward in an appropriate way. So, and and Staffy, that's just one issue. Mm. And and you know, there's a lot of competing interests at that, and and so that's where we're at. Like, there is it's time is needed. Time is needed into these things, and I just don't know why the time is not being put aside to put into the development of the CBA. Yesterday we heard from Ali Brigginshaw as well as Kurt Capewell. Um, on our news last night, we had a couple of uh, New Zealand women who take part in the NRLW saying, I've got no idea, I'm training and I don't know, even know when I'm playing. So we're hearing from players, we've heard from Clint Newton as well. Um, the people we haven't heard from is Abdo and Valandis. Are they talking at all over in Australia? Not at all. No, no. Not, not at all. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I'd rather them talking to the RLPA than talking to me or talking to anyone else in the press, to be honest. Um, I think the players are... Like, the players have to tread a really fine line because, you know, you... I'll read an article online about the collective bargaining agreement, and I, I rarely do this, but then I'll go, OK, how are people reacting to this article? Mm. And then I'll read some comments. Or indeed, you know what it's like, Safi. Get them on the, the text line, right? See what the response is. And invariably, even after our discussions today, invariably it was, they're getting paid three times what I get paid. They should just sort it out. Like they're, they're money hungry and they just want more. And it's not as straightforward as that. No. And, and, you know, the players have every right to get paid as much as they can. They have every right to negotiate hard for every dollar more, just as you do, just as I do, just as everyone else says. Eventually, you'll find your balance, right? You'll find an equilibrium where it's a you know yes or no answer, and and you move forward from that point. But it's the PR battle that the players lose every time because of the perception that every player is getting eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, in fact, there's a vast—I won't say a vast majority. There's a there's a number of players getting eighty thousand dollars a year, mm. and yes, it goes up to some highly paid players. But guess what? They're highly skilled, and people love watching them play. And as a result of that, they generate a whole heap of revenue for the game. And I'm absolutely convinced that they deserve every dollar that they get. So what needs to happen for us for round one to get underway on time? Is there some buckling? Is there some concession? Do you think a meeting would just do it? Oh, buckling, concession. Well, meetings, absolutely and obviously. Buckling and concessions is the art of any negotiation, right? You, you have to find middle ground. Now, it may not be middle ground. You might do better out of out of this negotiation on this issue than you do out of this negotiation on this issue. They have to find that common ground. And once they do, the competition will go ahead. It would be a disaster, Staffy, a disaster if any games were lost because of strike action. We've seen that across different sports around the globe over the years, and it's, it's bad for fans, it's bad for the game, it's bad for clubs, it's bad for players. It's good for no one. Last thing, Jimmy Smith, we heard a, a clip from Ricky Stewart who said, let's not forget that Peter Volandes is the guy that saved rugby league during the COVID era. And you do have to tip your hat to Peter Volandes. But from a player's collective bargaining agreement standpoint, is Peter Volandes not the guy you want to cross from you in the table? Because he is unbuckling. Yeah, and, and, and you know, um, I always say this thing about um, George Piggins. Right, and, and this is, I would suggest something similar with Peter Volandis and his style, and that is that at the right time, it's fantastic. You know, 
the stubbornness of George Piggins and the belief that South Sydney should get back into the competition, if it weren't for him, mm. they wouldn't be back in the competition, right? His firm belief, he took on the might of News Limited and the Australian court system and won in a high court battle the right for South Sydney to play again in the competition, right? So that's a stubbornness. And then over the course of the next four years, he felt that he didn't have to do anything different to what was happening in the 90s that led to their exclusion to maintain their inclusion. So the timing was right for George to be involved when they needed to get back into the competition. And then the timing was wrong when they need to make change to keep up with the times. And indeed, you could argue now South Sydney are a more progressive club than any other in the league. So it's about timing. Peter Volandi's pig-headedness about getting back to start the competition, absolutely. It, it, you know, it flew in the face of belief of everyone else in the sporting world, and he did it. And guess what? Everyone else followed him. And, and don't let anyone else tell you that they, they didn't follow that lead, uh, all codes. Um, but now you have to say, well, Peter, now you have to be conciliatory. Mm. Now you have to work together. Now you have to find that common ground that we've been speaking about. And you can still win. You know, it's not a win or lose situation. It can be a win-win situation. Um, and if that's, if Peter can't do that, then that's going to be a real concern for the National Rugby League. Mm. Let's hope it's resolved, Jimmy, because it's a great game and we've missed it. And um, it's the Warriors' year this year and we don't need a stall to the start. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard, isn't that funny? I've heard that. A lot of people on my Twitter feed I think they're from New Zealand. They're saying it's the Warriors' year too. So <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know that. But anyway, that's good. That's exciting for the Warriors. Storming our way to the eight, to eighth spot at the end of uh, regular season and <laughs> into the eight we go. Hey, Manage expectations. I love it, Staffy. Good on you, Jimmy. Thanks for chatting, buddy. Anytime, bud. Cheers, mate. Jimmy Smith, a wonderful host from SEN out of Australia there uh, with a little bit of an insight. It's at loggerheads. And that point, the very last point I made about um, in the blue corner is the players. In the red corner is Peter Volandis. And Peter Volandis is bloody hard to knock out because he's belligerent which has made him successful. He's relentless, which has made him successful. Sort of like a change manager. Comes in, swings axes, full of bluff and bluster, but that's what organisations need from time to time. The conciliatory, I loved that word from Jimmy Smith. It's now time for Peter Volandis to be conciliatory. Does he have that in him? And I'm not saying it's a big ego thing, but just his modus operandi is, in some ways, he's a bit of a bully. He's a corporate bully. Can we see him being conciliatory? Is that, what, is that what's needed? Rugby league. There he is. <laughs> you know, I look at it this way, Steph. Um, if you're Peter Volandis or if you're the sort of NRL, ARL commission, if the league doesn't go ahead, you've basically destroyed the game. Right, if if the NRL if they can't sort of, and I'm taking this to the absolute extreme, let's say no agreement, no deal, NRL doesn't happen, you lose the league, um, you destroy the game, you're out of a job, and everything goes to poo. Right, from the players' point of view, they don't sign an agreement, and the NRL doesn't budge. Yep, they don't get to play NRL, and the league will be dead. But it's not on them. Those guys, it's not on them, and they'll go out and get other jobs, type thing. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the pull, and I said this yesterday. In these situations, it's always the people demanding 
more or whatever, they are the ones that will end up winning in this thing. I think the players will end up getting what they want. Yeah, it might not be the absolute top, but they will get a majority of what they want because without them, you know, they need them. They need the players a lot more than the players need the NRL. Yeah, and there'll probably be another breakaway mm-hmm. league, and all the players will just go play in that. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, very interesting. Though. I think Jimmy sort of he did well to balance it there because he sort of did did sympathise with the players, but also said that hey, you know, like who's going to pay for the retirement funds? Who's going to pay for the um, the insurance? You know what I mean? Like that has to come from somewhere. Mm. So yeah, it's. It's weird too because I'm, you know, they've just got that new broadcasting deal as well. The broadcasters will be in Valandis and Abdo's yep, very true. Mate, we've just stumped up with all this cash. What are you doing? And so they'll be getting the NRL, Valandis Abdo in particular, mm. they'll be getting it from two sides. Well, you remember actually, I think it was two or three years ago when they decided that they were going to go back to one referee. Yep. And the referee staged a bit of a coup and said, well, we're not going to officiate the game. And so they were scared about the game's not going to hit. And the, and the broadcasters came in. I remember reading stories about the broadcasters saying, you need to sort this out. We've paid millions of dollars. This game, you know, it needs to go ahead. Um, so you, you're right. The broadcasters come into it, the sponsors, the stakeholders, you know. Because broadcasters have got advertisers that are booked their advertising mm-hmm. for the NRL. Yep. Yep. So the games don't play. They don't get their investment. Mm-hmm. They don't get their revenue. It's... It goes, it goes very far and wide. I mean, even us here at SNZ, you know, in our new partnership, we're going to have advertising around the ground and stuff that supposedly is going to get shown on TV. So you know, there, there'll be it go. The roots go pretty deep. Mm. So yeah, I, I, my, like I said, yeah, my suspicion is that it's going to get sorted. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a week before the <laughs> comps about to start. <laughs> I hope not. Though. I need a bit of security on whether or not we're calling down in Wellington, Steph. Yeah, gosh, who knows. 0800-150-811. Lines are always open. You're welcome to call or text us on the Tampa Bear Post text machine. One quick text says, uh, Dear Ken of Auckland, it's a shame the Blues won't have any silverware for the photo shoot today. Tepid regards, Kenny from Canterbury. Ken and Kenny. I like it. We'll be back in a moment.